0: Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com. Got a question for you. You ready? Yeah. How would you live if you knew that God was always with you? How would you live if you knew that God was always with you? Now, here's what I don't mean. Some of you in Sunday school, you sing that song, maybe as kids growing up, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, because the Father up above is looking down in love, but it always sounds like looking down in judgment, right? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little feet, where you go, that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, how would you live if you knew that God was leading you? If you knew that he was with you? How how would you live? How would you feel about your decisions if you knew that the spirit of God was actually leading you? I think you'd have confidence in every decision that you make. Let me ask you another question. How would you live if you knew that God was also leading your neighbor, your spouse, the person next to you? You see, this season for many of us has been really challenging because we've been believing the lie that God is not leading us. We've been asking the wrong question. We've been thinking, God, where'd you go Instead of, God, where are you leading me? And you see, one of the challenges to that is that we begin to second guess our decisions. And then we even get dogmatic about the decisions that we make, thinking that that's what our neighbor should be doing also. You see, this has been, for many of us, one of the most challenging seasons that we've lived in anxiety is like gone out of the roof. Nobody really knows what to do, but we are confident in what our neighbors should do. Right? We're like, I don't know if I'm gonna wear a mask. I don't know if I'm gonna get the vaccine, but I know that you should, or I know that you shouldn't. I'm gonna try to get myself in trouble with everybody this morning, by the way, okay? You see, we somewhere along the way have stopped trusting the presence of God to lead us. And we've reverted back to what we think we know. And then we begin to project that onto everybody else so dogmatically that we don't even live in love. Here's the reality for us if we're going to navigate this season well, and by well, I don't mean just survive, but I mean as the light of the world, then it's not gonna be because we simply have morals and principles. It's going to be because we're led by the very presence of God. And here is what some of us have done Some of us have been praying for the presence of God. Let me say this to you, that's an illegal prayer and you'll never find it answered. Here's why. When you pray for what you already have, you dishonor what you've already been given and it'll make you blind to what you have. Jesus has already promised us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. So what we need to do is stop wondering if and start trusting that so that we can then tune in to how he's leading us. And the way that he's going to lead you is always going to be in love. Now, it doesn't mean that it will always feel good, but it will always be in love. And when you know that's the case, then you can trust him regardless of what everybody else is doing. You can actually trust him so much that he's going to lead your neighbor. You see, we've got so many decisions ahead of us, in front of us, knocking on our door, that if we don't have the presence of God leading us, we will surrender our peace to every decision that comes our way. And then in fear and anxiety, we'll look for others to affirm the decisions that we've made, and we'll get defensive and dogmatic about our decisions. Now, what I'm not saying is that you abandon truth or reality, but that you would recognize that there's actually a greater reality. And there are things that are really good for you and right for you that aren't right for your neighbor. I'm not talking about morality and sin issues. What I'm talking about is following the voice of God for yourself and not looking for the approval of others in the process. And here's the challenge that religion brings. You see, we've we've taken this. Have you ever heard people use the acronym for Bible basic instructions before leaving Earth? Have you have you heard that? Right? There's a problem with that. It doesn't quite work. Ha, have you found how to navigate a pandemic step by step in the Bible? No, it's not there. Have you found if you should vote Democrat or Republican in your Bible. Yeah. No, it's not there. <laughs> we can talk later. <laughs> the reality is, is that the book is the introduction to the author. And, and, and when we don't recognize that God is actually inviting him and us into relationship with him then we'll settle for religion here's the problem religion has a form of godliness but denies its power the result is that it will make you feel good in a church service or in a small group but it is absolutely impotent to face the challenges of life it doesn't work And so, what we have to be, if we're going to be the light of the world, if we're going to navigate this season well, is we have to be a people of the presence. Yes. It's impossible for us to make it any other way. But I believe this, that if we'll trust God to lead us, then we will not simply survive as a people, but we'll actually thrive as a people. Because God has called us Not just to make it, but actually to be a victorious people. Go with me to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to jump around a bit this morning. Not like last Sunday when we physically jumped around. We're going to jump around in Scripture. You can do that later if you want. Uh, Exodus 13, verse 20. It says, after leaving Succoth, they can't, it sounds like, King James for suck, sucketh. <laughs> After leading suck, they camped at Etham to the edge. Y'all got to understand something about me. I, even when I'm serious, I kind of like to have fun. And so I have a really dry sense of humor. And so I'm going to probably say something and you're like, where did that come from? And then just keep going. Okay. To, like I usually don't stop to explain myself, but I know we got new folks in the room this morning, so that's probably what And then you're gonna be like, 10 seconds later, oh, I think he was joking about that. Okay, anyways. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, he went in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. As the people of God, we're called to be led by the presence of God. And that's actually what distinguishes us. In the journey of life is that the very presence of God would lead us. In fact, as the story goes on, they begin to set their camp around the presence of God. That was everything to them. That was not a part of simply their religious life, but that was a part of their whole life. Here's what's interesting. When you read that last passage, it says, Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. The problem that we get with a verse like that if we don't pay attention to what it's really saying is we think that it's just something that happened instead of a relationship. Right now, you're in front of me, right? If I turn this way, you're no longer in front of me, you're behind me recognize this, that the people of God weren't simply chasing, or that God wasn't simply staying in front of them, but they were actually chasing the presence of God. They had a relationship to the presence of God. It wasn't just a a state of being. It wasn't just something that happened. You see, they could have turned to the right and they could have turned to the left, but instead they had made the presence of God a priority for them. And because of that, they navigated the most difficult season as a people really well. Here's what's going on in this story. This is the the story around this is that they've just left Egypt. They haven't yet made it through the Red Sea. They know that they're headed to the promised land, but they don't actually know how to get there. Not that they don't know where it is, but they don't know how they're going to get there. And so they follow the, the presence of God and it actually takes them in a direction that would seem as if it were the wrong direction. In fact, what they said is that it's probably looking like the, to the Egyptians who are chasing them down to bring them back to make them slaves in Egypt again. It probably looks like to the Egyptians that we've gone crazy and we're wandering around with no clue what we're doing but they actually knew where they were going, but they took the long way around because they were following the way that God would have them go. And here's the challenge to the way that God would have them go. It put them between an army and a sea. That's not a really good place to be unless God is making a way for you. I just want to declare over you right now, church, that God is making a way for you where there seems like there's no way. That when you're stuck between an enemy army and a Red Sea that seems like there's nowhere to go, that he's going to make a way for you because the God that was with Moses and with the Israelites on the Exodus is the same God who's with you and he's making a way for you. And it's our responsibility to orient ourselves to the presence of God and that we would make that the priority for us. Because if you just map it out by principles, you're not going to make it the way that you should go. Go with me to Romans chapter eight. This is the new covenant reality. So Israel, as they were leaving the Exodus, or as they were leaving Egypt in the Exodus, they had the presence of God in a pillar of fire and in a cloud of smoke. Fast forward a couple thousand years, you've got Jesus and he's with the disciples in the flesh. God with us, Emmanuel. And he's leading them and he's showing them which way they should go. You get to John chapter 16. Jesus is prepping them for the crucifixion, but even more, he's prepping them for their call to turn the world upside down. And he tells them something that almost doesn't make sense. He says, it's better for you that I go. Because if I do not go, then I cannot send the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, your Helper. Here's what Jesus is saying, and you you need to get this through your head and into your heart. Better than Jesus in the flesh with you is the Holy Spirit in you. I'm gonna say it over here. Maybe these folks will wake up a little bit. (laughs) Better than Jesus in the flesh with you is the Holy Spirit in you. Okay, somebody's going to get it. Maybe it's this crowd right here. (laughs) Better than Jesus in the flesh with you is the Holy Spirit in you. Come on. Good job. You got it. Romans 8, verse 14. We're just going to look at one verse. In two translations, it says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Reverse engineer that. Those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. That's pretty good. Look at that in the Passion Translation. I love this translation. It says, the mature children of God are those who are moved By the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. What this is saying is that we all have access to the Spirit of God. That it's actually your inheritance, not your reward, that you get led by the Spirit of God. Here's what I mean by that. When you gave your life to Jesus, he gave his spirit to you. You don't have to earn his spirit. It's not a reward. It's your inheritance because you've been adopted into his family and you've got all the assets of the kingdom at your disposal. Some of us live as if it's a reward. And so we wake up in the morning trying to work for what we already have. Others of us have been given an incredible inheritance that we're absolutely unaware of. It is your privilege and your right as a child of God to be led by the Spirit of God. Here's the the challenge for us most of us are listening to so many other voices that we can't be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit in our lives. And so we're unaware of what we have because we're too concerned with everything else going on around us. And so the requirement is this, is that we would actually tune in. Some of you still have, I think radios in your car, everybody? Still got a radio in your car, right? You know that dial? You even got a CD player. Some of you still got tape decks in your cars. The radio station is always playing. But you're not going to hear it unless you're tuned in. God's speaking. He's leading you. But you have to slow down and tune in. He's not going to chase you down to speak to you very often. He'll do that if he needs to. But he wants you to cultivate a relationship with him and he wants to lead you. And it's his desire to sustain you, to protect you, to provide for you. And it's not simply about religious stuff. We've got to get that out of our heads. It's real life stuff. You know, the Inventor Nikolai Tesla, he was actually the, the son of a, a preacher. He, was, he, he followed Jesus. He had the spirit of God leading him. He would get into this place, you know, that place where you're like really, really tired and you're like almost daydreaming. And, and what he would do is he would set his chair up just so that he could get into that place. But if he fell all the way asleep, his chair would like jerk and it would wake him back up. And what he would do is he, he would get in that like halfway asleep, halfway awake, daydreaming place. That place, you know, where your spirit is like, maybe you're more aware spiritually than you are mentally. And, and, and he would just commune with God and hear God speak to him. He, he wasn't simply getting good like kumbaya songs. He was getting inventions that would change the world. It's in that place that God wants to speak to us. He doesn't just care about our religious stuff or even just our moral stuff. He actually cares about every detail of your life. And He wants to entrust you with His wisdom. Go with me to 1 Kings 3. I told you we we're going to be jumping around, it's in the Old Testament so you know, trying to buy myself some time. First Kings three. This is the famous passage where King Solomon, the son of King David, asked God for wisdom. How many of you want wisdom? Anybody? I'm gonna teach you the key to wisdom this morning because I think that wisdom and discernment are going to be a key to the people of God for us to navigate this season well. So God is pleased with David. He's in this place called Gibeon. He's there to offer sacrifices. And it says this, we'll pick up in verse five. I think on the screen, you're just gonna get one verse, but in verse five, it says that, Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever, bless you, ask for whatever you want me to give you now that's a pretty big open-ended question right like whatever you want. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant my father David because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne Now the Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern? Great people, this great people of yours. Now, many of you have been taught that what Solomon asked for was simply wisdom. And when we think about wisdom in a natural sense, it means that that you have an understanding that's a situational awareness. We know that wisdom and intellect are not the same thing, right? I know some really smart people that cannot make a wise decision to save their lives, right? But what Solomon actually asked for, let's read it, this is in the Amplified Version. It says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish, nope, that's not the right version. It says this in the Amplified. It says, give your servant a heart, a a heart to understand. You know what? I don't even have my phone with me. Somebody has the Amplified on them. What's it say? An understanding mind and a hearing heart. 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 You see, wisdom is not simply something that you possess, though it is a, a spiritual gift. It's actually a relationship. You see, what David, or what Solomon asked for was not simply that he would possess a gift, but that he would have a divine relationship, that he would have a, 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 an understanding mind, that his mind would be full of connection with God so that he would understand what to do in every situation. But he also asked for a a discerning heart because he knew that his heart had to hear God. Greater than having everything that you need to know is having a relationship with God that will show you where you should go. You see, so many of us are trusting in what we think we know instead of being led by the Spirit of God. An understanding mind and a hearing heart. Divine wisdom is not simply something we possess. It's a relationship. You understand that? Divine wisdom is not simply knowing what to do at the right time, but it's actually a relationship with the one who has seen the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning and knows everything that you should do. And he'll actually lead you in the exact way you should go at the right time. But it takes us being yielded to God. me show you the new covenant reality of this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. While you're going there, I want to share another verse with you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Most of us have thought about that. Okay, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. So I'm gonna hold on to him with my heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So it's not simply about what I know. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. That word acknowledge, when I hear the word acknowledge, I think about a Christian wide receiver who's just caught a Super Bowl winning touchdown pass and he points up to God, right? Like he's, he acknowledged God, that's great. Here's what that word acknowledge means. It's actually the root word there in the Hebrew is the word yada, say yada. Yada is an interesting word because the word yada is used when Adam lays with Eve, he yadas Eve, and they have a child, okay? You got it? Yada Doesn't simply mean to point out, but it actually would mean to be intimate with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding what you think you know. In all your ways, be intimate with God and he will make your path straight. Most of us have gotten so caught in the busyness of life And in the worries of the the world that we struggle to be intimate with God. But what would it look like to host the presence of God everywhere you go so that everything you do is out of intimacy with him? Jesus, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, says that, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and remained. We know this about doves. Doves are very skittish. They're flighty birds. You get within 10 feet of a dove and it typically flies off. It remained on Jesus because he was aware of its presence. In order for a dove to remain on you, you have to make every step with the dove in mind. Jesus was hosting the presence of God as an example to us of the way that we should live. Now, Jesus was fully God, also fully man. Philippians 2 says that he surrendered his divine privilege. Doesn't mean that he stopped being divinity, he was always God, but he surrendered the divine power that came with divinity in order to model for us how we should live as humans under the influence of the divine. It says that he never did anything unless he saw the Father doing it. He never said anything unless he heard the Father saying it. Here's what that means for you and I, that if we're going to have an ear to hear. If we're going to be a spirit-led people, if we're going to follow the cloud, not in front of us, but inside of us, then we're going to have to do it by making every step with him in mind. Now, for some of you, the temptation is to take that so literally that you get absolutely obsessive God's way better than that. It's to just live aware that he's always with you. To ask him questions, to allow him to speak to you, to ha- allow him to lead you. In 1 Corinthians 2 it says we do not speak of wisdom among the mature but the wisdom of this age or rulers of this age who are Coming to nothing. We've seen that. It's like everything that any governmental leader right now seems to say, they almost say the opposite the next day. It says, No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers. Of this age understood it. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. I'm to tell you something. I hear Christians. Pray this prayer. Say, oh, you don't know what God has for you. It's gonna be better than you think. And and, and there's an element of truth to that. But if you read this next verse, it actually kind of makes it a bit illegal. And here's why. It says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. Do you understand that? So what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, God has actually revealed to us by his spirit right? So that means you have access to something greater than in the old covenant when that verse was spoken. You have access to something greater than the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. You actually have access to something greater than the wisdom of Solomon. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for what is taught. For it says, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Do you understand that? That what God has given us access to is not simply what he does, but he's actually given us access to his thinking. We actually have access to the mind of Christ. When we start to recognize what we have access to, it changes the way that we live. That God actually wants to lead you. That he doesn't want to withhold from you, but he actually wants to reveal to you. And it's the desire of God that we would learn to operate with incredible wisdom that would lead us in the midst of the foolishness of our age. Hebrews chapter five, verse 14. I'm just gonna read it to you in the Passion Translation. I think it's gonna be up here. It says, but... Solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. Whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. Here's the reality. That as we mature, it's our responsibility. Probably one of the greatest points of spiritual maturity is that you would train your senses to hear God. That you would begin to adjust your life so that you would know the voice of God. Let me say this to you. This is an incredible way to know what God's voice sounds like. When God speaks to you, it's never going to contradict what this says. It may contradict the understanding that you have about what this says, but it will never contradict what this says. This is the best tool that you have to understand what God's voice sounds like. But God's voice is not limited to his book. While it will never contradict his book, it's not limited to his book. It's actually his desire to cultivate intimacy with you so that you can know his voice so clearly that you should know which way you should go. That on real matters of real life issues that you would have such intimacy with God that you can trust what he said even if it looks like you're headed to a dead end red sea where there's no way to get through. What that doesn't mean is that we don't have wise counsel in our lives. Doesn't mean that we just run around saying, God told me this and I'm not going to listen to anybody else. That's called foolishness. But it does mean that we take God at his word. I want to share a thought with you, something God's been teaching me for a while. A lot of times, God will speak to us. You may be reading scripture and something like warms your heart. It like jumps off to the page to you. And it's like, that's not just what God said, but it's what he's saying to me right now. I needed that word, right? Sometimes you're in prayer and it's like, man, you're, you're, you, you begin to pray and, and, and the best Way to understand prayer is this Greek word, prosukomai. It means to exchange your thoughts for God's thoughts, your trash for his treasure. And you begin to pray and you're like, man, I'm thinking things I've never thought before. Many of us, including myself, in immaturity, will get a word from God and run off with it and say, I've heard God, I've got the, the, the word of God. And you have no idea what it means because the word of God was always an invitation to a conversation. You see, what God is wanting to do with you is not simply give you a word, but he actually wants to cultivate a relationship so that you can live in intimacy with him and know what his voice sounds like. I believe this church that God wants to speak to you, that it's not about spiritual gifting, but it's about the gift of the spirit in you. You see, we have a a value in this church family for prophetic ministry. I have a value for prophetic voices, people that would know the will of God, hear the voice of God for me and speak to me. But I believe this, what God wants is not simply a church that has an honor for prophetic voices, but actually for a church that hears God all for themselves. Many of you or relying on everybody else around you to get a word from God for you or or to tell you what you should do. But what God actually wants to do is speak to you himself because he's not just interested in where you should go, but he's interested in living an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to know his voice. There may be some of you here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you need to give your life to Jesus. And here's what that looks like. That looks like saying, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I give you my life. I I, I need you. I've sinned. I've rebelled against you. I've gone my own way. And I trust that you died for my sins on the cross, that God rose you from the dead and I'm giving my life to you. I'm not just praying a prayer, but I'm trusting you with my whole life. And if that's something that you decide to do this morning, I'd love to pray with you uh, as the band plays this next song. But here's what I want us to do. We know that the presence of God is here. Now, God is always with you, but there's something significant about the people of God coming together. God, God shows up in an even greater way. What I want you to do is just take a minute. They're gonna play, not sing anything for a couple of minutes. And I just want you to begin a conversation with God. What's that place where you need wisdom, where you need to know which way you should go, where you need to hear His voice? Maybe it's not about decisions that you have to make, but maybe you need God to speak words of identity to you, to tell you how much He loves you, to tell you that He's for you, to begin to comfort you. But I just want you to cultivate that. Just take a few minutes right now just to sit with God and allow him to speak with you. If you're joining us at home, I encourage you just right where you are, just just to, to drop what you're doing and allow God just to begin to speak to you.